Several years ago, Kelly and I uh, purchased a house, and you know how exciting it is. Those of you guys have done that, you're all excited, you get to, isn't it weird you only see the house like twice, and then you like sign this paper, and then you're stuck to it forever? Well, so, so you, we did that, right? And so we signed the paper, but then you don't get to go to the house for like three months, right? And so we're waiting and waiting, and all the lawyers and all the bankers and all those smart people are doing their stuff, and we're just sitting and waiting and waiting. And so we're getting excited about the house, but it's like, I just want to get there, you know? And so we would drive by the house. We'd be like, visit the house. We would just drive by, you know, and I'm thankful that, you know, the cops were never called. Like, there's a beautiful woman and a shifty-looking bald man passing our house at 5.30 every, every day after work. Uh, I'm just glad that didn't happen. But, but we, would even, we would even bring people. Like, we'd invite people over. Like, hey, hey, come check out our new house. And we'd pull up and, can we go in? No, you just sit and stare. You're distracting me. Be quiet, you know? And so it was just kind of that thing. But we were so excited about just being home and being somewhere and having a place to call home. And here in this series, we are trying to get that same excitement about our eternal home, heaven. We're trying to get excited about that and passionate about that, that day that we'll stand before Jesus and we'll finally truly be home. Because really here, everything is just temporary. And so last week, we discovered the number one reason we should all want to go to heaven. The most exciting and amazing thing about heaven will be our complete access to God. That's a huge deal. Every one of us in the room today that's struggling in our relationship with God, probably it's because of an access issue. We want to feel closer. We want to see him more clearly. We want to hear his voice. And the day will come where none of that will be an issue anymore. We will have complete access to Jesus. Jesus is the draw of heaven. And so that's the number one deal. But there are a bunch of other reasons we should want to go to heaven. And I don't think it's bad to enjoy that or think about those things. I think God wants us to be excited about all the other things about heaven that are going to be great aside from just Jesus. Every year, my family goes to Massachusetts. My dad and my stepmom are there and my sister and and her family are there. And we just have a blast. We have a, a great time. And the number one thing we're excited about every year as we look forward to that is spending time with the people that'll be there. We just love getting together and laughing. The kids are off making movies that crack us up and and we're just telling old stories for the billionth time and laughing and just having a blast. But there are other things besides just the people on the trip that excite us. Like my kids love the pool. They just live in the pool all day. Uh, We love playing ping pong. It's like you thought the only ping pong table in North America would be at Massachusetts at this one place that we go because the kids just want to be there all day, every day. And so we love that. We go to the Washington County Fair every year and we see strange things there, but it's awesome. And, And so we enjoy that and have a good time with that. And so my kids are number one excited about the people, But they're also excited about the fact that we'll get to do all these other things and enjoy all these other things. And I think our Heavenly Father wants the same for us. First and foremost, we should be excited about Jesus. But secondly, there are a bunch of other things to be excited about as well. There are a bunch of other reasons that heaven will be amazing uh, as well. And so today we're going to look a little bit at that. And I don't think we think about this enough. I don't think we think about how awesome heaven will be enough. I think, if you're anything like me, We all get distracted, don't we, with all the stuff going on here? We're busy people, aren't we? We got a lot going on. Life's stressful sometimes. We got mortgages to pay and and mouths to feed and exams to study for. And we have so much going on here and now that it can distract from eternity and heaven and all the amazing things that are awaiting us. Um, Sickness and pain and hardship and emotional stress and all the things we go through, anxiety and doubt and sin struggles and fear and pain and just all that we go through here and now can so easily distract us from heaven and from eternity. So it's a good thing that we talk about eternity. It's a good thing that we look forward to heaven because looking forward to heaven is exactly what gets us through all that. 
Like all the stress and all the things that distract us from heaven, if we would just take our eyes off those things and look to heaven, that's what actually gives us the hope and the joy to get through the current struggles, you know? And so I think we get bogged down and confused and distracted by all we're going through here. And if only we would just look to Jesus and we would look to what awaits us, it would help so much with the struggles we have here and now. See, when you and I are focused on all the here and now stuff, it's like our hope and joy just get sucked right out. But man, when we realign our hearts with heaven, with eternity, with Jesus, with all the blessings that are to come, it gives us the hope and the joy we need to get through all the other stuff here and now. Uh, my wife and I went to the dentist a few weeks ago, and we have the best dentist in the whole world. It's actually Kelly's cousin. It's uh, Anna's son. And we call him Phil the Drill, which I don't know why his name is actually Brian. So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and so we call him Phil the Drill, and Phil is an amazing dentist, and he does an, an incredible job, and he's funny. He cracks you up, which is always awkward in the dentist because you're like laughing and dying at the same time. But he's just great. And, and so I'm sitting in a dentist chair. Now, as funny and great as he is, I can't think about what's going on in the moment when I'm there. There's probably a few of you like that. I can't think about drills burrowing through my precious little teeth while I'm in the chair. Because if I do, I'm going to jump up and dive out the window like the Cowardly Lion and the Wizard of Oz and get out of there. Because I just can't handle it. And so what do I do? I think about all the other things I'm looking forward to later that day. I think about what's coming later that week. I have my mind off that temporary thing that's going on. And I'm focused on what I'm looking forward to. And guys, when we sit in the dentist chair of life, so to speak, that's exactly what we have to do. Because life is painful and life is difficult and life is hard. But when we focus our eyes on Jesus and heaven and eternity, we get excited about home. Everything changes. And so today I want to encourage you with why we should be excited about heaven and what amazing things await us And some of this is going to be new information for some of you. Some of you, hopefully, I'm going to answer a couple objections and questions you might kind of wrestle with about heaven. And for some of you, this is going to be, you know, some encouragement, some things you know, but just to be re-centered and refocused around what awaits us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a huge question for you. Why why should you want to go to heaven? What should you be excited about? I mean, here's all this stuff we talk about, Jesus and being saved and forgiven and all this stuff. And Maybe you're just like, I just don't even know why I should want to be saved. Why should I want to go to heaven? And how do I get saved and go to heaven? Well, we're going to see that here today as well. Now, normally you guys know I love to stick in one portion of Scripture and really just look at it and, and kind of like look through every little word and figure out what this means and that means. But today, we're going to bounce around a little bit more than usual just sort of because we have to because of the question that we're trying to answer. And so as we look at a few places of Scripture, we want to just really understand What is going to be so amazing about heaven? And so the first thing I just want to remind you of or tell you for the first time if you don't know it is that we will be freed from sin and temptation. First amazing thing that we're going to talk about here this morning. We're going to be freed from sin and temptation. Check out Hebrews 10 verse 14. Such a powerful verse. And hopefully this will help answer some questions and objections you may have about this. By one sacrifice, okay, which was Jesus on the cross, so if you're not a follower of Jesus, the way you get to heaven is Jesus' sacrifice, putting himself on the cross in your place and in my place, taking away our sin, okay? By one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect forever, look at those two words, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so what this verse is saying is, That what Jesus did on the cross dealt with sin forever and made us perfect forever. Now, we're still being made holy here in this life, right? 
We still sin sometimes. Andrew said that in the prayer today. This isn't a place for perfect people. It's a place for people that need to be healed and made more like Jesus and made more whole. And that's exactly right. So we're being made holy, but the day will come when you and I stand before our Savior, where we will be perfect forever. And it took Jesus' death on the cross to make you and I perfect forever. Now here's the part that kind of messes with our head a little bit. And, and sometimes we ask this question, well, will we be able to sin in heaven, right? I mean, once there was no sin and then Adam and Eve sinned, right? So will we again be able to sin in heaven? Will we be tempted? Will there be another fall? Will there be this whole new epic you know, thing that has to happen and take place? Will there be some other plan? And, and the answer to that question is no. We will never, ever sin again. And you might say, well, how does that work? Okay, well, here's my best take on it, okay? This is kind of like a huge theological concept I'm just going to cover in about 30 seconds, so hang with me, okay? So, initially, God created us with the capacity to sin, okay? We had the ability to choose right and wrong, okay? And you might say, well, why didn't God just not give us that capacity? And here's the big answer. The big answer, I think, is, is that the plan for salvation and human relationship with God was always Jesus, God's plan was always for you, get this, this is so big, for you and me to understand the depths of God's love through a perfect Savior dying for imperfect people. That was always the plan. It wasn't like God created us and then Adam and Eve messed up and he was like, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to do now? It was always the plan for Jesus to die in your place and in my place. And so God created us with the capacity to fall so that Jesus could save and could rescue, and could amaze every one of us. But that verse shows us that what Jesus did on the cross has made us new people who will be perfect forever, no capacity to sin. And so you and I will never be tempted again once we stand before our Savior. We're tempted here and now sometimes, and sin draws us here and now. But haven't we all learned something about sin? It always bites back, doesn't it? It always bites back. It looks like that nice dog walking down the road and you go to pet it and then it bites you. Sin always bites back. And I'm so looking forward to the day where there will be no more sin. There will be no more regret. I'll get that word right. Regret. There'll be no more temptation. No more temptation to lose our temper. No temptation toward anger or unforgiveness or gossip or lust or anxiety or fear or doubt or any of the things that plague us. Just our Savior, just freedom from those struggles. Now, what does that have to do with here and now? See, if if you're struggling today, I think this gives us hope in two ways. Number one, we have to know that God is making us holy. That verse tells us, right? For those who are being made holy, that means that you and I should experience growth here and now. So more and more, the things that, that strap us down and hold us back should be broken in our lives as we mature as followers of Jesus. But the day is coming where we will no longer ever sin or struggle. No more temptation in our lives. And so, for some of us, we need to be going to God now and saying, God, help me, free me, make me holy. Make me more like you. But God, thank you, the day's coming. I'm going to take my eyes off my current struggles. Maybe today you walked into church and you're like, I don't belong in church today because I'm so beat up. I'm such a mess. Uh, You know, I shouldn't even be in this place. This is for holy people. Well, you know what? You have hope today. Because God is making you holy as you pursue him. And also, the day is coming when you will never beat yourself up again. 
And you will never regret, and you'll never walk into God's presence again going, I'm not worthy to be here. You'll, you'll walk in going, I'm not worthy to be here. And he'll say, yeah, well, I've made you holy to be here, and you're perfect now because of what Jesus, my son, did on the cross. And so you and I have that hope. We've got to get excited about that. The next thing I want to remind you of today or tell you maybe for the first time if you've never heard this before is that we will be reunited with loved ones. And so we'll be free of sin and temptation, but we will be reunited with loved ones. Check out 1 Thessalonians Four, and these are some kind of intense verses. I'll do my best to kind of help you through them. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, okay? Now, falling asleep just is often used in the Bible as people who have died, okay? And that's going to be even more clear in just a minute. So he says, don't be ignorant about those who've fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Have no hope. Why? Because I'm never going to see that person again. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so those of our relatives and and friends and those that have passed on that had a relationship with Jesus are already with Jesus. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. We looked at this last week. God will be with them, right? With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that. We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And so what do these verses tell us? It tells us that those who have already passed that know Jesus and those of us who have yet to pass when Jesus returns will be with him forever. We'll be reunited with those that we've lost, those that we wish were still here, those we wish were sitting at the Christmas table and the Thanksgiving table in the upcoming season. How amazing will that be? A Puritan named Richard Baxter said this, I know that Christ is all in all and that it is the presence of God that makes heaven to be heaven. That's what we talked about last week. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there, but look at this. But yet it much sweetens the thoughts of that place to me that there are there such a multitude of my most dear and precious friends in Christ. That you and I will see those that we love again. What Richard Baxter is saying is the best thing about heaven is Jesus, but I'm really excited to see my loved ones again. Augustine said this, We have not lost our dear ones who have departed from this life, but have merely sent them ahead of us. So we also shall depart and shall come to know that life where they will be more than ever dear as they will be better known to us. Cool thought. And where we shall love them without fear of parting. I love these thoughts. I love the idea that he says, hey, these people that we've lost, they're going to be more than ever dear to us. Have you ever met, you know, reunited with somebody you haven't seen in a long time? You know how exciting that is. Like, I haven't seen you in forever. This is such a joyful moment right now, as long as it's a person you like, right? (laughs) Man, this is such a great moment. Imagine the moment when you're reunited with those that you love. And the, the relationship will have all of the good and none of the bad. None of the influence of sin will be on the relationship that you have with those that you'll be reunited with. And I love that last thought. Never without fear of parting. Every one of us have fear of parting those we love. Here and now, living in this broken world, we all think about, you know, I, I think about, oh gosh, God, I, I just pray I'd never lose a child. I pray I would never lose a child. I pray that I will die before Kelly dies because I'd be a mess without her, right? God, 
just you think about those that you love. But think about that fact. You and I will be reunited with those we love without ever fear of losing them again. And this is what God offers us through this relationship with Jesus. And so if you've lost a follower of Jesus, you should be excited about being reunited with them. And of course, the big question then is, for those of us in the room who lost people that maybe weren't followers of Jesus, how do I move forward? How do I handle that thought? And here would be my encouragement to you. You never know what God does in a person's life at the last moment. You never know, right? Jesus is on a cross being crucified. And to his side is a man also being crucified who says, Jesus, save me. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's a guy who was a murderer and a thief and a mess. And in his last moments turned to his Savior. And so you never, ever know what God did in those people's lives that you've lost. Next, we see something awesome, something encouraging, because we can all relate with this. Maybe you haven't lost someone close. Maybe you're, you're not you know, having these intense struggles with sin that are just beating you up, but we can all relate to this. Number three, we will be free from all that causes pain. Every one of us knows pain. Every one of us has been through tremendous difficulty and hardship in our lives, haven't we? And so look at what Revelation 21 verse 4 says, and we started looking at this verse last week. We're going to go deeper into it today. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Jesus will wipe every tear from your eye and my eye. There will be no more death. Because death is probably one of the biggest things that causes us pain. I've stood at many gravesides in my life, some from my, my own loved ones and, and many for others there to do a funeral, there to grieve, there to stand alongside people who've been through something difficult and and it's the worst thing in the whole world. And, and some of these are, are older people and some of them are, are too young. But there will be a day where there will be no more death. I will not miss the sadness of the graveside. Standing before Jesus, you and I will never face that again. Next he says, so he says no more death. And he says, or mourning or crying. No more mourning or crying. So anything that makes you mourn or cry has been eliminated. No more depression, no more sadness, no more heartbreak, no more betrayal by a friend or someone you thought was a friend. No more tears because of divorce, no more tears because of someone that you love going through incredible difficulty. All that has been dealt with. Or pain, everything that causes pain is done away with. So just think about what causes you pain. Some of us it's emotional pain from rejection or bullying or low self-worth, gone. Anxiety. Gone. Just, just done. No more an issue. Sickness is eradicated. Uh, and this is the little stuff and the big stuff. You will never stub your toe again. Come on. Get excited about heaven. Right? I don't think there's a more painful thing on earth. Right? Where's Bill today? He's not coming to church. He stubbed his toe this morning. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Just the worst, right? You'll never throw up again. That's a close second, I think. No more diabetes no more sleep disorder, no more autoimmune disease, no one will ever have cancer again. Because we'll have perfect bodies. Jesus purchased that for you and I. I was, I was recently joking with a friend about not being in the shape that I wish that I was in, and, and he says this back to me. He goes, he goes, don't worry, I heard recently that dad bods are in. Now, first of all, thank you for categorizing me in that category. That sounds so lovely. I didn't know that was a category, but I heard dad bods are in. Really flabby and pale is in. I, I, I was not aware. Hey, that's great. I mean, bring on the soda and the lack of sun. That's, I love it, you know. 
I have a really hard time believing that, though. I just can't imagine that, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is sitting with his trainer right now going, you know what I really want to start aiming at? There's this pastor in this concert named Doug Jansen. I got my picture up on the board. Yes, dad bod, going for that, right? But no, we will have perfect bodies. No more of any of the sickness we're used to and the, and the things. I mean, all three of my kids have uh, different allergies to foods. And, you know, I mean, my wife's been through autoimmune disease stuff, which is just so rough up and down. I mean, my mom died of, of cancer. I've had several aunts and uncles and grandparents die of cancer. I mean, just all the stuff. And you know, you get it. All, you've, you've lost people or you daily struggle with pain or sickness or illness yourself. And just the fact that that is all going to be done away with because the perfect body that Jesus has purchased for us. And then this last little part is for the old order of things has passed away. The way things used to be. The old order. We're living in the old order right now. We're here, and we're in pain, and we have our bad days, and we struggle with anxiety sometimes, and we have moments of depression and fear, and we go through it. But the old order of things will have passed away. And Jesus purchased that for you and I on the cross. And so, if you're sick today, there's hope for you. We pray for people that are sick all the time, and Sometimes we see incredible things happen and we see people healed and God shows up and does this thing. There's people sitting in the room today that God has healed their body. And so I am not saying, hey, just kind of hang on. Sorry, this is all you get in this life. No, we pray for people that are going through stuff like that and ask God to bring healing and freedom and from anxiety and all these different things. But if you're struggling today or maybe you've prayed a billion times and I would say never stop praying, but if you've prayed a billion times and you still haven't been healed, then at the end of the day, you and I can focus back on the truth. And the day will come when you will be perfectly whole. And that's got to excite us. That's got to encourage us. That's got to get us passionate about standing before our Savior who has purchased that for us. And so we have all different kinds of struggles and all different kinds of things going on in our lives, but ultimately we can be so excited about the day that we'll be finally home. And we saw last week that Jesus is the number one reason heaven's going to be amazing. But I want you to know today that heaven will be amazing because we'll see loved ones and we'll never deal with sin or pain again. Heaven will be amazing because we'll see loved ones and we'll never deal with sin or pain again. I know my mom's going to be excited to see me. She's going to be knocking people out of the way. She's going to probably knock me down. Grab me by the hand. Okay, come on. We're, we're going to go. Come on, I want to show you all the awesome spots in heaven. Uh, show you my favorite places. You've got to have the linguine in this one spot. You know, heading over there. We're gonna, I'm going to probably be on like an eight to ten month tour of heaven with mom just dragging me around places, you know. Biggest ball of yarn in heaven. It's right over here. It's a museum. It's going to be great. Can't wait to just have that reunion. Who are you looking forward to seeing again? What sin struggle or temptation are you looking forward to being free of? forever because Jesus, our awesome Savior, has made us perfect forever. What pain will you not miss? What depression or anxiety? What sickness? What lack of doctor visit will you not miss? Because that will be our experience in heaven. And so as you and I sit in the dentist chair of life here and now, we've got to continue 
to take our eyes back to Jesus and take our eyes back to heaven and see all that he's purchased for us. I think a great example of this is a woman, and many, many of you guys know her, uh, you know her story, Johnny Erickson Tata. And Johnny is someone who just lives this to a ridiculous degree. This is a woman who, when she was young, dove into some water that was shallow and broke several uh, uh, spots in her neck and back, and she became a quadriplegic. And she's lived uh, decades now in a wheelchair. The most joyful person here is this woman who has it way worse than any one of us here in the room, no? And yet she is constantly exuding joy and constantly encouraging others and is, travels the world and she tells people to have hope in Jesus and she's just incredible. And I want to read something that she wrote about being free of the pain and all the sickness issues she's, she's had here and now because she's just such a great example of someone who is looking to heaven and looking to heaven looking to Jesus every day, day in, day out. And she, she's real honest. She says, look, there are days when, uh, when my nursing aide walks into the room and she says, hey, hey, Johnny, it's time to get up again. And she says, I don't have it. I don't have it in me. I can't imagine another day. But she gets up and she puts her eyes back on Jesus and she puts her eyes back on heaven. And look at what she writes. She says this, I can still hardly believe it. I, with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone spinal cord injured like me? Or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, or who has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who's manic depressive, no other religion, no other philosophy, promises, new bodies, hearts, and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. And this is a woman who has her eyes on Jesus. And remember in the beginning, I said that when you and I focus on all the pain here and now and all the stuff we go through here and now, it sucks the hope and joy out of us. Here is a woman who is full of the hope of joy, hope and joy of God, because she refuses to keep her eyes on the here and now. She refuses to just look at her pain and her doctor's visits and all the medications and all the issues and being carried to the bathroom and being bathed and all the things that none of us in this room are going through today like she is. And she's got the joy and the hope that so few of us have because she just keeps her eyes on heaven. And so what today is stealing your hope and joy? What today do you have your eyes focused on? And I'm not trying to belittle anything we're going through. We have some hard stuff going on in the room. But there's a greater hope and a greater joy than all of it. And so what do you need to take your eyes off of today and focus on Jesus? What do you need to, to train yourself when that thought hits, when that anxiety comes back, when that pain comes back, when the fear returns, when I'm thinking about my mom, when I'm thinking about the, the, the struggle that I have with this sin or that sin or what is it that we need to just in that moment say, okay, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not saying deny reality. But there's a better reality. There's a bigger reality. There's a greater reality than what I see right here and right now. And Jesus has purchased that for me. And so as you're sitting there in your dentist chair of life, what thing do you need to instead take your focus off and put on eternity and put on your Savior? Because heaven will be amazing because we will see loved ones and we'll never deal with sin or pain Again, And remember, those are just the secondary exciting things. The most exciting thing is Jesus. The most exciting thing 
will be seeing your Savior, the one whose plan it was to create you and I with the capacity to fall so that he could save. Mind-blowing. And like Johnny Erickson Tata showed us, no other philosophy, religion, or way of thinking promises such beautiful things. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today and you're saying, okay, well, I love all the promises, but I don't know if they're true, then that's why we're here. We're here to help you answer questions. That's why the visitor and the evidence CD sets are out there. We'd love for you to take those. I'd love to talk with you. We have people that are way smarter than me that would love to talk with you and answer some hard questions. But I would encourage you to keep coming and keep examining what Christianity claims because there is nothing else like it. I was talking with a guy the other day at a uh, college nearby and he was struggling in his faith and he said, you know, it just seems like every religion is the same. I said, buddy, I understand that, but it's not true. Every religion is not the same. Every religion but Christianity is the same in that they all say work your way to God. Do the right thing. If you live the right way, you'll get to the place you want to go. Christianity is the one and only that says it's not about what you do. It's about what your Savior has done for you. That sets Christianity apart from everything else out there. And so if you're unsure what you believe and you're like, I'd love to believe in heaven and everything you said today, Doug, sounds so great, but I don't know if I can believe it, then please keep coming back. Or if you don't like our church, we'll help you find a church you love and keep on looking into what this amazing Savior has done for us. But if you're a follower of Jesus, it's time to get our eyes more and more focused on heaven. Let's do drive-bys, so to speak. Let's get excited and let's invite other people to come with us. Let's get passionate. Let's be amazed that this is what you and I will one day experience. Because the truth is we're going to see our Savior. And that's going to take our breath away. That's going to be so amazing. But we're going to see our loved ones. And we're never going to deal with sin or pain again. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to you for what you've done, for what you've purchased for us. Thank you, God, for the plan, which was always salvation, which was always saving broken people, which was always putting hope back where there's been brokenness and putting joy back where there's been pain. And God, we are so excited about the thought of no more, no more sin or temptation, being made perfect forever. God, we're so excited about the thought of being reunited with loved ones. And we're so excited, God, about the thought of no more pain, no more sickness, no more anxiety, no more doubt, no more sin struggles. God, none of the things that cause pain. Most most importantly, God, we're excited about seeing you. God, we thank you for the people in this room that have experienced you and have been convinced that you are God and you are good and you can be trusted. But I also pray for those of us today that are struggling to believe that. And I pray that you'll bring hope to us. If you're a Christian, would you take a few minutes and would you pray about that thing that tends to cause you to focus here and now as opposed to on eternity? And would you just ask Jesus for the strength in the moment when that sin struggle returns, when that pain shows its face, when you miss that person, would you focus back to the truth that one day you will stand in his presence and none of those things will be issues anymore. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love to give you an opportunity to just put your faith in Jesus this morning. If you want to begin a relationship with him, then you can just pray something like this between you and God. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. 
Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you that this gift of salvation is available only in Jesus. And so be my Savior. Show me how real you are. And God, would you begin to more and more make me holy. Make me like you. I thank you for this amazing gift. In your name I pray. Amen.